And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back, Prospects of Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler, as always, uh, with Lance Zerline. The Super Bowl is over. Uh, we made it through the season. Now we can fully turn the page to uh, the offseason and the NFL draft. And, you know, what, what better way to do that uh, than with a mock draft? So mock draft 3.0, now up on the Athletic. Uh, and, and for this version, I projected six intriguing trades uh, that would really shake up the, the first round. So... Lance and I are going to go through that a little bit, uh, but first, uh, you know, a few draft notes. Trevor Lawrence announced that he'll be working out for teams this week, not at the Clemson Pro Day. He has a left shoulder issue that needs cleaned up. Uh, it's going to be aired on ESPN2 if people want to check that out on Friday. So, Lance, two things. Non-throwing shoulder, um, so I'm guessing no real concerns uh, there. Correct me if uh, you have a different opinion there. But then also the pro day. Uh, anything you're looking for from uh, Lawrence uh, during his throwing session? No, I don't. You know, it's interesting. I went and looked at the <clears throat> the data. I like to to pair the the uh, the data with the the tape. And one of the things that that I found interesting was that he really struggled um, under pressure this year when he was rushed and pressured. His his completion percentage. He and Justin Fields both were were way way lower. And and I think you know. The problem for Lawrence is it was way lower than what it was last year. So, obviously, the offensive line was not as good this year as last year. But that's something you can't simulate in a a pro day. So, really, I guess what I want to see is I just want to have my – my opinion confirmed, which would be that he's going to make the standard throws with good accuracy. The ball comes out. I mean, I there's really nothing that he can do that's going to change my opinion. His I've got a very high grade on him. He has good mechanics. It, the ball comes out with good zip, tight spiral. Um, he is able to throw with good placement and good accuracy. As long as he does those same things on air, which – I don't know why there'd be any reason that he wouldn't. I, I don't – to me, this is just all about um, – and I don't mean this as a – I don't mean this as a dig. This is just kind of peacocking where he's just showing everybody just a little reminder here that this is what elite physical traits and elite potential and, and, and passing potential looks like. And um, if you were to stack him at a combine with Fields, Wilson, Lance – Mac Jones, uh, Trask, like they wouldn't like it too much, I don't think, because of the way he looks, the way he throws. He it would be it would be very impressive, and you know I I don't know that it's that much different, frankly, from a physical standpoint than Justin Herbert. Herbert was impressive at the Senior Bowl. He was impressive at the Combine. Some people, when I've talked about who's a comp, you know, I ask that question, Dane, who's a who's a good comp, right? For because I don't think there is a true body type, playing style comp, like. It's very hard to find. There is really no physical comp other than 
Justin Herbert, but then Herbert, the playing yeah. styles are a little bit different. Right. Yeah, in terms of size, in terms of uh, the arm, the athleticism, yeah, Justin Herbert's really the closest thing uh, to uh, Trevor Lawrence style of passer, just from you know body type and um, you know uh, a lot of the traits. Um, who did Joe Burrow was your highest ranked quarterback last year? Who has a higher grade between Burrow and Lawrence as prospects for you? Lawrence by a significant margin or uh, yeah, pretty significant. Well, okay. so it's relative. My grades, um, Trevor. When I, when I look at Joe Burrow, I had Joe Burrow over a 7-0, which is Pro Bowl talent, day one starter. It's a good grade. Anything over 7 means we're dealing with some real right. dudes. It's not easy to to get over a 7. So I had Joe Burrow. Um, I gave him a 7-0-7. And the guys I had ahead of him were Derek Brown, Akuda, and Chase Young. Not feeling too good about that Akuda right now, but whatever. We'll wait and see how it plays out. This year, but the way it jumps, it goes from – you can have – I've got a 7 – it goes from a 7-1 to a 7-0, and then the next step up is 7-5 to a 7-3. So I bumped um, Trevor Lawrence up to the next level, which is a 7-4-0. Um, but I also had Joe Burrow with a higher grade than Jamar Chase, for example. But, um, you know, about the same as a Pat Sertan. I'm, I'm a big fan, big fan there. Um, if I had it to do all over, I'd probably bump Joe Burrow up just a little bit. But the big difference to me is, from a football IQ standpoint, Joe Burrow is almost untouchable in terms of right. the season. Now, it's one season. But that one season, his reads, his accuracy, his placement, just phenomenal. Special. But I, I, come from the, I come from the school of rare traits. Um, you know, I learned a lot under Chris Ballard and some of the other evaluators in the league who – I, I'm a believer in rare traits can, can create rare talent. And when it comes to speed, size, arm ability, um, and Trevor's a pretty he's a he's a pretty accurate passer too. I just think those rare traits give him the uh the upper hand. And that's that's why I came in with Lawrence um a full a full grade like his goes to immediate high impact starter who should emerge as a year one pro bowler with the ability to become one of the premier players in the NFL. I don't know about the year one pro bowl thing, but I do think that he has a chance to become a premier player in the NFL. But you know, what's funny is you could almost make the case that based on year one, Justin Herbert had that kind of year. Yeah, no question. And obviously Fit matters. Um, you know, we expect Trevor Lawrence to be a Jacksonville Jaguar, and we'll see what moves they make this offseason to uh, maybe get a little bit more help around him uh, on offense. Uh, and I agree with most of what you said about Lawrence. I think the offensive line was significantly was much lower this year, um, and that that affected him. Uh, he he played rushed a lot. Where you know everything he does is quick, which is what I love about Lawrence. His eyes, his feet, his, his delivery, uh, his reads, everything's quick. But sometimes it was too quick because he knew that rush was coming, and so he would be uh, you know overly urgent at times. And I think that's, I, I think it's more it's more of a young quarterback learning more so than a you know fatal flaw. Uh, I think it's something that he can adapt and get better. But I, yeah, I, I agree with you. The traits are just. When you talk about the size, the athleticism, the arm talent, and you know, also he's not on Joe Burrow's level in terms of uh, above the neck, but 
he still processes things pretty quickly. You know, he doesn't look like he's overthinking out there. Uh, and then, of course, the intangibles, you, you include those. I mean, it just it seems like it's in terms of a talent. He's as good as it gets. Um, now, he still needs to put some things together to be a productive NFL quarterback. But I agree with you. I mean, you you bet on uh, the amount of traits that he offers every day. So even with the shoulder injury, uh, you know, he, he's going to be the no, no-brainer number one pick. And there's probably nothing that, you know, like you were, you were saying, nothing he can really do that's going to severely alter your opinion based off of uh, just the throwing session at his pro day, but it should look good. And I'll be interested to see, I don't think NFL teams are allowed to attend. Uh, one of the memos said, you know, the NFL teams are allowed to attend pro days, but no personal workouts. So I, I don't know how that's going to be if they're just going to, you know, uh, record it and then make sure all the teams get it. Not that it really matters. Cause again, we think he's a clear bet to go number one overall to the Jaguars. And really that let, let's just use that as the uh, transition into this mock draft. This is uh, the third mock draft. I usually do about five or six of these. Um, and you know, I, I know you you did yours, uh, your first one last week, Lance, so we could uh, hit on that too a little bit. I, I wanted to just mix things up. And so I included trades in this one. And look, it's, it's near impossible to uh, project trades in a mock draft. But you know what? It's that's it, it, there's going to be trades. It's going to happen. And so why not throw out some interesting ideas, see how people respond to them? Um, I think, you know, last year in the uh, last year's first round, there were 11 players that were selected by a team that didn't originally have that pick. So there's going to be some movement, especially with the quarterbacks. There's going to be some some movement. Um, I, there, there's a good bet. I think the big question will be, where does that start? Uh, in this mock draft, uh Lawrence at one, no surprise there. And then I have the Jets stay and put it too. I, I think there's going to be a lot of clamoring for, uh, you know, they, they can really maximize that value by keeping Darnold and trading back and getting more picks. And I just, I think the opportunity to reset and draft a quarterback in two is just too appealing. Now, that's contingent upon the Jets and, you know, their front office and brain trust. You know, really being sold on a quarterback in this draft, that's that's a variable we just don't know uh, when talking about that number two pick. But this is really where the draft starts. Um, I, so I, I did not have a trade at number two. I have been drafting Zach Wilson. Uh, is that If you were to make a bet right now, but what the Jets are doing a two, what direction are you going, Lance? It'd be the same. I'd have Zach Wilson. And that's what I put in my mock. Um, you know, he's a talented passer. <clears throat> when you when you check different boxes, I still think there's a little bit of boom bust to Zach. I'm not as high on this quarterback draft as other people are, but I do recognize the point that when are the Atlanta Falcons, for example, going to draft this high again? And you know, mm-hmm. when you don't have a pick, when you have a pick in 17 to 20 range, you're having to trade up to get these quarterbacks. And so, even if you don't love these quarterbacks, I could see how a team would potentially reach or even gamble on the upside because you don't get these opportunities um, very often. So I still think that you have to be true to how you rank them, how you evaluate the the quarterbacks. And so if the Jets don't evaluate any of these quarterbacks as highly capable of leading their franchise – you know, the only then the only advantage you're really getting out of drafting that that quarterback is resetting the the salary. That's really the only big advantage if you don't truly believe in them. And so, um, if that's the case, you know, I'd rather trade a pick for a veteran and try to and, and try I trade the pick for a veteran and more picks is what I'm saying, uh, more future picks. And and you would certainly be able to stash you know stack the team up with 
with uh, with draft picks and and you know and, and further bolster the roster. But if if the Jets stay still, the arm talent, I think the the, the growth and improvement from year one to year two, some of the passing schemes and concepts there, I, I think it's Zach Wilson as well. It's it's just too early to take a guy like Trey Lance who has a lot of upside but just doesn't have enough. And then you know I I think this the concern about the Ohio State offense is going to possibly poison some teams. And when I say that, I mean name the quarterback from Ohio State that's been a big-time pro. Name the quarterback under Urban Meyer at Florida State, Tim Tebow, if you want to throw – I mean, Florida. Throw Tebow in there if you want to. Even Alex Smith over at, at Utah was you know more of a game manager when he was over at uh, – certainly Aaron Rodgers was the better of the two quarterbacks from that 2005 draft. So um, I think the guy with the arm talent would get the pick here, Zach Wilson. And I – and I have heard that the Carolina Panthers, I think this is inter- interesting that you have this trade because the Dolphins really, if you want a wide receiver, there are three wide receivers that could really help the Dolphins immediately. Waddle, Devontae Smith, and Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. So when you do that math, I love that you that you move Carolina here because Carolina does get their hands on a quarterback, and then the Dolphins get what they want, even more draft capital. And they still get a wide receiver that they're going to really like because number seven pick, I mean, you're going to have somebody there that you really like at seven unless the rest of the draft just really, you know, gets a little nutty. Right, and so Lance is talking about the trade that I have at number three where the Carolina Panthers, who they have said, we're going to be aggressive this offseason. They were in the Matthew Stafford talks uh, you, you know that they're keeping a close eye on Deshaun Watson and Houston. They're, they're looking at every option. Um, you know, is it best to, is there someone out there they can go get? Is it best to look towards the draft? If they do end up looking towards the draft, you know, they could sit there at number eight and hope a quarterback falls to them. But there's a better bet that they're going to use some of that draft capital, go up and get their guy. And in this scenario, uh, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there that it could be Justin Fields. Uh, you know, I think when you look at Fields... I think there's going to be, like you said, there's going to be some concern about the offense and just how ready to play that uh, Justin Fields is. But I think from a uh, intangible standpoint, character standpoint, I don't think there's going to be any concern there. I think Matt Rule is going to be feel very comfortable with Justin Fields as as a person, as a leader, and you know the, the talent is there uh, that you can groom the rest. You know, so I, I think that there's a you know we could see a situation where. Uh, in this scenario, Carolina's trading uh, number eight overall, a first rounder next year, and then a third and a fifth uh, up to number three. So in this scenario, they're getting ahead of Atlanta at four, and then you're also getting ahead of Philadelphia at six. Because all of a sudden, the Eagles are uh, another team in this mix for a quarterback with the, the, the impending Carson Wentz trade. Uh, now, it's not for sure they're going to take a quarterback in the top 10. You know, they, they're they still hopeful for Jalen Hurts. You don't draft a quarterback in the top or you know in the second round if you don't uh you know have some type of hope for him to uh you know be your guy and so you know Jalen Hurts they, they might still believe uh, or still want to give him a chance to be the guy they might look at building up the roster before uh you know trying to get that quarterback so the Eagles are a wild card but you also have several other teams that could be in this mix for a trade up you look at Washington you look at the Denver Broncos. You look at uh, the New England Patriots. We don't know what the 49ers are going to do. So there's a lot of intrigue about who's going to trade up and who's going to, you know, it's just an exercise in musical chairs. Who's going to be left without that quarterback? 
Um, so in this uh, in this uh, mock draft, the Panthers are aggressive. Like they said, they're they're going to be go up to number three, get their quarterback uh, with, with Justin Fields. And we also have to remember too, Matt Rule and Ryan Day. There's a little bit of overlap when they were both at Temple. Um, at the same time as assistant coaches. So uh, they know each other well. You know that, uh, you know, Coach Rule is going to have, uh, you know, some good intel uh, from Coach uh, Coach Day about, about Fields. So a little bit of connection there. At number four for the Falcons. Now, we've never had a situation where we've had four quarterbacks go one, two, three, four. It's never happened before. We've had quarterbacks go one, two, three. That happened like 1999. I think that was Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, Akili Smith. So it's happened before, but we've never had quarterbacks go one through four. It's possible it could happen here with Atlanta. They're they're really a wild card with a new general manager, new head coach. This is an opportunity where they can draft the future. Uh, Matt Ryan's going to be the quarterback in 2021. That's that's going to happen. But you can you know you can draft and develop. Uh, you know whether that's a, you know Trey Lance or or whatever. So I, that that's certainly in play here. I went a different direction. I went with Penny Sewell. Um, you know, they they still have a window here where they can compete. They still have, uh, you know, their defense needs a lot of a lot of uh, upgrades. But on offense, they can still compete. And so you add a talent like Sewell who plug him in at left tackle. You move Jake Matthews inside, whatever. Falcons were looking very, very heavily at the tackle position last year. They were ready to draft a tackle if the right corner wasn't uh, there for them in the mid first round. So, you know, it's now there's a new brain trust there. So, you know, who knows how they're going to be, you know, look at the roster and all that. But I think offensive tackle is certainly in play, especially if they view Sewell as one of the better uh, overall talents in this class. Well, they, they hired an offense coordinator, I mean, an offensive line coach named Dwayne Ledford, who is fantastic. Um, he's been at NC State, he's been at Louisville. He is a zone scheme guy. He's an outside zone guy. So what this tells me is when you draft Panay Sewell, it's a fit because mm-hmm. w- what it does is it's the Falcons getting back to the roots of when they went to the Super Bowl was they ran the ball effectively with with Coleman and, uh, and with Foreman. They ran the ball effectively through the outside zone game, and then they play actioned off of it. And you know they were really a more diverse offense. They were really a little tougher to figure out um, for for the defense. And this is a pick when you have whether Sewell bumps inside to guard early on while he learns, you know NFL pass pro, or whether he plays out at left tackle. It's a move that adds a tremendous amount of athleticism and opportunity to your run game. So I like that. Now, with him off the board at Cincinnati at number five, you went with the same guy that I had there, which is Kyle Pitts from Florida. And when you look, I understand the concept that people have, that offensive line, offensive line. But I went and looked at their – their. you know, they got the 37th pick in the draft. I went and looked at their cap space. They've got money. I went and took a look at the offensive linemen who are in this year's free agent class – you can get Russell Okung, uh, uh, villain away, but there are guys who you could add via free agency and then add a generate a potentially, in my opinion at least, a, a potentially a generational matchup problem at the tight end position with Kyle Pitts. And what you've done is given Burrow what he loves, which is a target in between the hash marks that is a severe matchup problem. And at LSU, he had it with Justin Jefferson. Now you're giving him a bigger Justin Jefferson. No, I'm, that's exactly what I was about to say. Uh, you know, watching Burrow at LSU, the way he would attack the middle of the field 
and you know out of the slot with just simple crossers uh you know vertical routes from the slot you know whatever he was very comfortable with that read and you add a guy like Kyle Pitts who has speed has size the athletic ball skills I I, I mean it, it could be something that really pays off um, if you're able to address the offensive line in free agency and I think another point here is if Sewell's off the board, you know, how high do they grade the next best offensive lineman? Talking to teams around the league, not everyone is on board with Rashawn Slater being a top five pick. Not A lot of teams don't even view him as a tackle. They view him as a guard or a center. So even though, you know, I think Rashawn Slater is the second best lineman in this draft, uh, and, and I, I like him quite a bit, some teams aren't necessarily as high on him. And so who knows if the Bengals view Rashawn Slater as even an option at this point. I do think that the Bengals will be certainly uh, involved in trade talks, uh, you know, because again, with yeah. the Eagles sitting there at six, um, you know, some of these other teams that we've talked about, this could be another a prime area for a trade and the Bengals would love to get out of there and get more picks and, you know, maybe even get a Kyle Pitts or Rashawn Slater uh, later on. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, Number six, Jamar Chase uh, to the Eagles. I I don't have them going quarterback. I'm going to have them build up the roster before they add in that piece. Uh, And they're they're missing a a three-level threat. Like, like a Jamar Chase. They just don't have that on the roster. And, you know, we'll see what uh, Jalen Rager is able to give to them uh, in year two, uh, you know, after a 
disappointing rookie year, uh, injured and, you know, didn't really have that impact on the field either. They need a lot of work on that, that side of the ball. And, you know, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback if they don't have the weapons. So uh, I think Jamar Chase could uh, potentially change that. Yeah, and I, you know, it's it's interesting. You mentioned three level threats because that's something that we don't always see in the in the with a lot of wide receivers. And yet, the top three wide receivers, I would argue that yeah. all three are three level threats: Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and you know, usually you're not going to see a guy with Jalen Waddle's you know height be a three level threat, but because. Not only can he blaze past you and separate, he's actually really good at attacking the ball in the air. A lot like Tyreek Hill plays way taller than his measured height. So is Jalen Waddle. Jalen is a really tough 50-50 guy down the down the field. So um, yeah, I like that for the Eagles. It's got to hurt them a little bit to have to have to go back to back at you know wide receiver. I'm sure that's something yeah. that's not that they don't love but at the same time you know I gave him Micah Parsons it's not a popular pick with people and I know Micah has some you know there's going to be some current concerns from a character standpoint that dude is a really really good linebacker he is a really talented player he has a lot of upside and he can he's going to be able to get to a lot of plays and it's something that the Eagles really need is to get better against the run and have somebody that can Set a you know kind of set the tempo on the defensive side. I don't think it's a bad match to put a guy like Micah Parsons there, but I don't you know just in full disclosure, I don't think he's going to go at six. But a lot of times these draft the mock drafts you want to you want to create some contingencies and see what happens because I don't know about you, I don't go in with a set game plan of what I'm going to do. I try to approach it like the team every time the pick comes up. So if I throw some curveballs in there, which every mm-hmm. draft has, and people seem to forget that. Every draft doesn't look like a mock draft. You know, what do you do? And here, for example, you throw another another curveball, another trade at the number seven. Pick. Right, and this is where I think there, this is a prime spot for a trade-up for a quarterback. Uh, it's Detroit, we know they're rebuilding. They would love to trade back, pick up that draft capital, and you know, really start this rebuild. Uh, so, uh, you know, could it be the Patriots? Could it be, uh, you know, uh, another team like the Bears? Uh, you know, we'll see how that all shakes out. In this scenario, it's it's uh, the Washington football team going up from 19 to 7. That's going to take an, a future one and then a third round pick this year to make that move. But they go up and they get Trey Lance. Uh, you know, this is an organization that with you know Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, you know, even Heineke in there. Short term, they're they're okay. You know, they they can draft a quarterback like this who's going to need some time. Uh, in Trey Lance, uh, only seventeen career starts. Uh, there's way too much one read and run on his tape. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot. I think he has the talent, both mentally and physically, where he he could really grow into a productive NFL quarterback is just going to take some time and uh you know there's obviously a lot of projection involved so for Washington this is a chance for them to uh get the quarterback of the future and for Detroit you know they're able to to move back 12 spots and pick up a future one and really be in a position where they can remake this roster so I think that's a it's a win-win for both sides and we've got what four quarterbacks off the board in the first seven picks uh which is you know it that does not happen often, and so it, it would be certainly uh, wild to see it. But I think it's uh, it's a possibility. So I'll try to pick up the pace a little bit here. 
and I want to go through. I want to. I want to cue you up on some of these picks. Devontae Smith for the right. Dolphins to trade back and then still get Devontae Smith would be amazing. But it would. All, it's also very possible. The scenario you paint to me is not a wild scenario at all. And I think it is a very potentially possible scenario, maybe flip-flopping some different teams in some different spots with trades. But, yeah, I could see a scenario where the Miami Dolphins still get their wide receiver at number eight. And then the Broncos, you know, if you're the Broncos at nine, you get your choice of of which corner do you like better. Do you like Farley better or Sertan better? So I'm a Sertan guy. Um, a lot of people are Farley guys. But regardless, in this scenario – and potentially in any scenario, depending on if there's a run on cornerbacks, you could see Denver get their hands on the very first selection. Why'd you go with Caleb Farley in this spot? I think he's a better fit for, you know, you think of a Fangio defense, um, you know, a guy that with, with his size and athleticism, uh, you know, playing man, playing off, I, I think he's just a better fit for what Fangio wants. I also, I, I personally do grade Farley a little bit, little bit better. Um, I think he's got the athletic traits that I really want at that position. Where Sertan, I mean, this guy was groomed for the position uh, to play the position at a high level since he was five years old. You know, having a Pro Bowl dad and you know, really understanding what it takes to be a pro and how to play the position. He's so sound. Um, he, he does a great job looking for the football, making plays, consistently stays in phase. The lack of twitch. With Sertan does worry me a little bit. Um, he, he doesn't have that elite speed and he doesn't have that elite twitch. And there are times where, you know, we saw, uh, you know, against Garrett Wilson um, in the national t- title game, uh, his ability to create some separation at the at the goal line. We've seen it. It's, it's on his tape. And so I there's so much about Sertan that I like. Uh, mostly uh, just his, uh, the game seems to happen slower for him. Like he's just very comfortable. He, he doesn't, he never panics. Um, and he's always uh, seems to be in position, except for when he's facing a twitchy receiver who has a little bit of suddenness to him and can create those little pockets of separation. So um, I, I do like Sertan a lot, but I do give Farley the edge, even though he's more of a projection. Yeah, I got you. Um, and of course, you had number ten was uh, number ten was the Cowboys Sertan taking, right yeah, Sertan. reuniting Sertan with Diggs. Uh, the Cowboys have their uh, two starting corners, so that works. Uh, I want to jump ahead here to the next trade I have, and this is where it gets juicy. I don't know what's going to happen here with Sam Darnold. Uh, you know the the Jets are in a position where they don't even have to trade him if they don't want. They can keep him on the roster, and you know it's. It's it's a valuable uh, you know he's a valuable piece and you know I I think unless they get the deal they want they can hold on to them in this scenario they get the deal they want that they're looking for uh, the 49ers are offering pick number twelve uh, and a future two so twenty twenty two second round pick for Sam Darnold and pick number twenty three overall so the jump from twenty three overall to twelve is about the equivalent of a second round pick. So basically, the 49ers are trading two twos to uh, uh, jump up in the first round and then also a 2022 second round pick uh, for Sam Darnold. And so if you're the Jets, that's hard to pass up. That is hard to say, yeah, no, we're good. We'll keep the quarterback. They're drafting Zach Wilson at two in this scenario. You are able to pick up a future two plus move up in the draft where you're going to have a chance at a really good player at number 12. I think that's something that they would jump at. And in this scenario, Rashawn Slater's still on the board. Boom. You've got, you're, you just upgraded your offensive line, plug him in at guard from day one. 
um, unless they want to, you know, move Fant out of there and you put him at right tackle. Whatever you want to do with Slater, he gives you that flexibility. That offensive line is instantly upgraded for Zach Wilson or whatever veteran they bring in to be the stopgap. Um, I, I think this would be a, a home run for uh, the Jets if they're able to make this trade. Yeah, I, I would love this. Pick. You know, to have him with Becton would really really tighten that yeah. offensive lineup very, very quickly. What's curious to me, though, is I want to press you on this a little bit. What does mm-hmm. Sam Darnold do for the for the 49ers? You know, I, I think that it just depends on their outlook of Garoppolo. I mean, you know, he he's obviously good enough where you can compete with him. You know, they made it to the Super Bowl last year. But his... First of all, his inability to stay on the field because of injuries, that that right there is has to give you pause. And then I just don't know if, you know, are you really maximizing the position in that Shanahan offense? I, I just don't know. And uh, so they're looking at their quarterback options. All reports say that they were in the Stafford uh, mix. And, you know, it's it, do they view Darnold as maybe a possible upgrade? You know, kind of taking their shot with a guy that's super talented and I think would be a really good fit with what uh, Kyle Shanahan likes to do. So, uh, you know, they're they're taking a shot, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But in terms of making a change at the quarterback position, this might be their best, best option. Um, you know, I don't know that they're going to have a chance to get one of the top four quarterbacks in this draft. And if and in this scenario, let's just say they, let's say they try to go up and get a Fields, they try to go up and get a Lance, and they're not able to get it done because of uh, other teams outbidding them. Okay, well, what's Plan C? Maybe that's a Sam Darnold. So they're sitting there at twelve. Uh, the Jets already drafted their quarterback. Let's make that move. Let's uh, let let's you know see what we have in Darnold, who is still only twenty three years old, still extremely talented. It's just you know maybe some better coaching will bring more out of him. There's no question. It's it's a possibility. I think, boy, that would be challenging for me to give up the 12 and to have to throw a second-round pick. But I understand the, the Jets. But if you're going to make that move and you're the 49ers, you know, you're, you're going to have to make a decision on what your quarterback um, – what your quarterback situation is going to look like. Uh, well, team who, real quick on the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, so they moved back, what, uh, 11 spots in the first round. And in this, we'll just jump ahead real quick. In this scenario, they get quitty pay uh, at number 23. So maybe quitty pay is a, a guy that they were even considering at number 12. They're he able to move them. back 11 spots. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. D Ford, probably not back. Uh, you know, you you plug in uh, pay opposite Bosa. They want to upgrade that defensive line. So, you know, it, it does cost them a little bit, but they still get a quality pass rusher at, at 23. So in this scenario, I don't think it'll hurt as much, uh, you know, just, you know, giving up that future too, but they still get a quality pass rusher in the first round. They, they don't lose that first rounder like they would have uh, if they tried to upgrade the position uh, by maybe go, trading up or trading for Carson Wentz or whoever else. Elijah Vera Tucker, 13th for the Chargers, rebuild that offensive line. He's tackle guard. Minnesota with Gregory Rousseau, kind of a, 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 a Daniil Hunter type of vibe right. where you got a, a young, long guy that you project, and it certainly worked out for Hunter. 15 is where Micah Parsons lands. And, you know, if there's a, a guy who will take a chance on a character guy who's really talented – as long as he feels like his locker room is strong on the defensive side, which I think it will with a lot of guys coming back next year after the COVID stuff, it's Bill Belichick. And Michael yeah. Parsons, you know, to me, that's a that's a top five, that's a top six talent, potentially, mm-hmm. uh, landing at 15 to the Patriots. 
that's a value play if Parsons can handle himself on the field and off. Yeah, and he'd be a great fit, um, you know, with the way that uh, Belichick will mix up his scheme and, and the p- personnel groupings because Parsons can stay on the field all three downs. He can give you rush value. He can drop in space. He can just do so many different things from different alignments. And so uh, I, I really like that fit. Uh, at number 16, I, okay, what am, what am I missing on Aziz Audulari? To me, I think he's the best pass rusher in this class. Just He's a little bit undersized based off what you want. But he still plays with power. He still plays with twitch off the edge. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a big Audulari fan. I've got him here uh, at 16 to the Cardinals. Uh, you know, Hassan Reddick probably not going to be back unless they surprise and use the franchise tag. So Audulari will give them another pass rusher opposite Chandler Jones. But, you know, I, I I know I have him a little bit higher than I think I see other people. And, and it just surprises me. I, I, I'm very, very high on, on him. I, I think he's a... Really good player now, but I think he's also not even close to his ceiling. No, he's he's completely projectable. I've got him as a number twelve player in the draft, um, oh, and, and and I'm somebody who pushes guys who are, are projectable. I mean, I've got a guy with zero sacks this year, Jason Owe, at number eighteen. Mm-hmm. But I also yeah. feel very very strongly that their traits. See, here's my thing with Aziz Ojolari. One thing I've learned over the years um, is that. On the offensive side, on offensive linemen, if you're not functionally strong enough, you can't play in the league. You eventually will get overcome, and at the best, you'll be a backup who can bounce around for a little bit. In the NFL, similarly, one of the things I learned, and Matt Judon was a great case in this, is you know Matt Judon, I liked him. He was coming off knee injury, small school, all that stuff. But power wins in the NFL. Sometime when I first started, I would get too caught up in the bend and the prettiness. Everyone gets caught up in the pretty, the bend and the the spin move. And does it look like Von Miller? The fact is, Ravens have always had rushers who, other than Doomerville, who came over. But the Ravens have made a living off of guys who could physically overtake and overcome a tackle. Strong rushers matter a lot and when you watch Aziz Ojolari he's got twitch he's got grown man strength he looks like an NFL body type and with NFL strength where he plays an aggressive brand of football that looks familiar it looks like an NFL edge player and so to me it was easy to project him because I'm like I've seen this before with Owe I got it's a little more work to get there with Owe but but you love all the twitch with Aziz Ojolari they just didn't play him enough at 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 Georgia, he would have had. I'm like, why are they rotating him out? 13 should be in the game all the freaking time. And uh, I'm with you. I, I think Aziz Ojolari, and I've, you know, I know Daniel Jeremiah, who's, uh, you know, a buddy of mine who works in NFL Network. I don't think he's as, as high on him either. I know he likes him, but I don't know if he's as high. And yeah, he's a little bit tight hipped, but I'm not worried about that because I see something that looks very familiar in his game that, that, I see on Sundays, and that is a guy who can impose his power once he gets to an edge. Yeah, and even when they did rotate him back in, a lot of times he's dropping and he's not, they're just not letting him loose, and he still led the SEC in sacks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is a guy that has so much ability plus the potential. I don't know. I, I, I think he's he's the top pass rusher in this draft, in my opinion. Um, and then I've got Quiddy Pay and Jason Owe um, right behind him. So, you know, I it, those three guys are top 25 guys uh, for me. Uh, and so I'm, I'm glad to hear uh, you, you've got them. Similar. I had him at six, um, by the way, I had him at 16 as well. Um, Aziz, I've got him oh, at nice. 16, okay. although I could see him as a Patriot. Sure. Yeah, that would make some sense as, to, uh, as well. Um, 
Okay, so that's the first half of the uh, of the uh, mock draft. Um, to catch a second half, go on the athletic. Uh, check the, check out the article. I've got a few more trades in here. Uh, Steelers uh, moving up. Um, you know, I, I've got uh, Buffalo, which I, it was interesting looking at uh, Buffalo. Uh, we'll just we'll we'll touch this pick real quick. I love your, yeah, here. I love your Buffalo trade up. Since Brandon Bean took over as general manager, you look at the first two rounds for the Bills. Almost every pick is a trade up. It's remarkable. Uh, I mean, this is a team with the mentality that we're going to be aggressive to get our guy. We're not going to sit and wait. We're going to get our guy. And I I love it. I mean, it, it's, you know, last year they didn't have a first-round pick because they went and got their guy in Stephon Diggs and how'd that work out. You know, whether it's trading up for Josh Allen, trading up for Edmonds, trading up, uh, you know, consistently uh, to go get their guy. And so they do it in this, in this draft. They're sitting there at the 30th overall pick. They really want to upgrade that number two corner position. Uh, after the top two guys with Farley and Sertan, you know, J.C. Horn, maybe that third guy for a lot of teams. Okay, Buffalo, I think it's a great fit there. They move up from 30 to 21, and they're able to get uh, their corner. They're able to make that move, uh, giving up a third and a fifth round pick to go get a, a guy that's ready to start from day one. Uh, you know, they they really value physicality. They value production, and Horn brings both of those things. So I, I really like the trade up for, for Buffalo there. Yeah, and it almost feels like uh... – you know, it, it's it's history haunting him with Stephon Gilmore leaving. And now mm-hmm. you add J.C. Horn, a guy with similar build, same school, and similar uh, skill set. You add J.C. Horn, and now you've got a mirror and match corner in white, and then you've got that longer player that they were hoping that an aging Josh Norman would be. But instead, right. you get in a young player, J.C. Horn, so you got matchup you got the ability to travel with your, you know, travel with different wide receivers with White playing slot, or, you know, White gets matched up on Tyreek Hill, right, from the slot, or he can match up outside. JC Horn gets the big boys. JC Horn is the guy that can match up. Maybe JC Horn is guarding Kyle Pitts at some point. So, yeah, I like this trade up because it gives you the diversity at the corner position and it does give you a little. You know, it does harken back to the Stephon Gilmore type cornerback that they had previously. Yeah, and for the Colts, they moved back to thirty because they, you know, we we know they have their eyes on a left tackle, um, and they just they get wiped out a little bit, so they move back to thirty to get their left tackle. Um, and I also have a I also have Miami trading back into the first round. All that draft capital they received uh, for move for uh, trading back, they actually trade back twice in this uh, first round. So all that draft capital they used to trade back into the first round uh, in this mock. So uh, go on the athletic, check it out. Uh, let me know what you think, and you know I'm sure you'll all just be uh, 100% on board with every single pick, just just like every time. So I appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Lance. We'll be back next week. Please rate, review, subscribe. We really do appreciate it, uh, and we'll see you next time.